Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast, brought to you by TriMat. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and our guest for this episode? Hi, Grant. Well, today we're talking to a rising star in the sustainable packaging industry, a young company that has achieved great things since it was established seven years ago and most recently made headlines when it closed a $12 million Series A capital raise, which will enable it to scale up its onshore manufacturing operations while also looking to expand operations in other markets. That company is Planet Protective Group, and joining us today is its founder and CEO, Joanne Howarth. Welcome back to the podcast, Joanne. A lot has happened since we had our first conversation back in episode three in 2020. My goodness, Lindy, time flies, but I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, let's start with the very nitty gritty. Tell us about the deal. How did this all come about? Well, with lots of hard work, I have to say, Lindy, you're probably very aware of the challenges, particularly for female founders around raising capital and particularly in this current market. So unfortunately, we we made the decision from the outset to bootstrap as long as we could. And that meant that really when the market turned and we really needed to raise capital to fuel our growth, um, the conditions were not favourable. So I was 15 months fully occupied in talking with investors. And our story is a very compelling one that resonates with the wider public. People love our product and they love what we're doing. And we were looking for a values-aligned impact investor. And um, at the time, it's just about connecting with as many as possible. It's a numbers game, really. And we had a lot of engagement. I spoke to a lot of people But the thing that really drives the outcome is you need to secure um, a lead investor. And that lead investor does all the research and the due diligence and, and, you know, negotiates the terms that then the other investors follow. And the big challenge for me was finding that lead investor. And then ultimately, we're very fortunate that we probably attracted one of Australia's largest and most high-profile investors with the Mindaroo Foundation. And once Mindaroo came on board, it became much easier to attract all the other investors. So give us a rundown of who has invested in this. How does that $12 million get made up? So we've got a component of debt, but we've got probably as many as eight or nine different investors. A couple of those investors, actually three or four of those, a Singaporean-based. Um, the vision for us, we've got very audacious goals, and the vision for us is to expand into Southeast Asia. There's a lot of opportunities, and you look at the size of the market there. So um, so it was good to have Singaporean-based investors, but um, what was wonderful was that once we secured Mindaroo, in quick succession, then we secured the Trawala Group, um, which is the foundation for Carol Schwartz. You would be aware of Carol Schwartz. She's on the Reserve Bank Board and a very um, 
well-recognised, well-renowned supporter of female businesses. And then we secured the Victorian government. And the Victorian government have what they call their um, Equity Victoria Investment Attraction Fund. So they look to attract best-in-class businesses into Victoria to establish their operations. Now, this fund has only made two other investments at this stage, and they're both from overseas. And it just made sense for us. We wanted to be in Victoria, and it made sense for us to talk to the Victorian government and see if they'd come on board. And so we're their third investment now, and we're very delighted. I'm meeting with them in um, in Melbourne next week. Well, I mean, that sounds very encouraging. I know, um, having spoken to you over the years, how, how much hard work you put into that. So that must feel very vindicating for what it is that you do. And I think at this juncture, I'd like to remind our listeners, in case they're not familiar with Planet Protector, that Planet Protector is the company behind the multiple award-winning Woolpack solution, which is an insulated packaging solution, but it also has applications that are wider, and we will talk about that. It's positioned as a sustainable alternative to expanded polystyrene packaging for shipping ready meals and temperature-sensitive food, beverages, pharmaceuticals, and life science products. The wool used in the manufacture of the insulating material, Joanne, is what I want to talk about now. Where does it come from? How do you process it? Where is it being processed? Tell me the story. Well, it's incredible, really, because the wool we use is a waste stream, Lindy. So Australia is renowned for our beautiful merino sheep, but more and more there's more of these crossbred sheep, and these sheep are being raised for their meat rather than their fleece. Their fleece is more coarse, it's more medulated fibres, and it's not suitable for textiles. And because of that, it's destined for landfill. There's limited demand for it. So what we've done is we've rescued this wool from landfill. Uh, we've monetized it for the first time. Uh, we're generating new revenues for sheep farmers and strengthening rural communities. And um, we've created a really disruptive product out of a waste stream that's replacing a problematic plastic. And probably of all the plastic, polystyrene is one of the most problematic. You probably read just recently that microfragments of polystyrene have even been found in human breast milk. So the sooner um, we're able to eliminate polystyrene, which is our mission, um, it, you know, the better it is for the environment, like yeah, the oceans, it's, it's just terrible. So in terms of that waste wool, what happens with that? Where, where does that get processed and what process are you actually investing in as well? Because I know you're setting up a manufacturing facility. Tell us more about that. Okay. So when we, when we established the business initially, um, we were looking to manufacture here in Australia. And it was a very steep learning curve at the beginning. I didn't know a lot about wool or sheep. And we approached um, the two wool scours that are remaining in the country. There's only two left. So a lot of the processing capability went offshore in the 70s and 80s. And when we approached these wool scours, we said, are you able to scour this crossbred wool? And the bulk of their business is scouring for merino wool that's being export for beautiful textiles. And so they had no interest in supporting us. And now we've made so much traction 
it's gone full circle to the extent that in 2021, one of those wool scours reached out and he said to me, I cannot believe the progress you've made. He said, I really share your vision. This, You're on to something big with this. And if at any stage you would like to manufacture in Australia, I am prepared to dedicate a full scouring line to your wool, um, which was really a game changer for us. We'd always wanted to manufacture in Australia. So the scouring is the washing of the wool. It's the first stage of being able to use that wool in any process. So now that we have a scouring partner, we are building a $15 million state-of-the-art facility, the only one of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere, to turn that wool into not only packaging, but also there's overwhelming opportunities in contract manufacturing, in bedding, in geotextiles, in acoustics. And we're just about to launch a brand new range of building insulation that's 100% wool. What makes wool such a good insulator? Well, Lindy, this was one of the steepest lessons that I had to learn. Like, I'm a city girl and I've never really stopped and You know, you look at a sheep and you think, yes, well, that's wool. But let me tell you, not all all wool is equal. And, um, you know, the wool is remarkable. It's the best natural insulator on the planet. And the reason that it has so many applications, like in cool rooms, in, um, you know, in building facades, is because of its insulation properties. So it keeps the sheep warm in winter. And it keeps them cool in summer. And so we set about to leverage those thermal properties to create that with a solution where all elements of that fit within the circular economy and they're either home compostable or recyclable. And the challenge has been that working with China to manufacture our product has been very challenging. But now that we're vertically integrating and we're owning our own supply chain, that really changes our trajectory because we're able to create that closed loop that everybody talks about with the circular economy. So with sufficient scale, we hope to get partnerships that will be able to collect the wool and bring it back and it can go through the whole process yet again. So To go back to your manufacturing facility, which is going to be, is that in Altona in Melbourne? Yes, it is, Altona North. So what is the timeline on that and when is the equipment going to be commissioned and so on? Well, the, the equipment is well and truly advanced. So we ordered these assets two years ago and it's a custom build out of Europe. And they arrived. It's not just a machine, Lindy. It arrived to us in 38 40-foot containers. So we've got four technicians from Europe here at the moment and they're commissioning the line with our own team down in Melbourne and we will be ready to go by the end of March. So it's very, very exciting. We're really, uh, we're poised to sail and this will really change our trajectory. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Since 2005, TriMat has been at the forefront of innovative solutions aimed at enhancing productivity and efficiency through cutting-edge technology. 
For printers and packaging businesses, TriMat offers a comprehensive suite of tailored products. In 2022, TriMat won the APMA Australian Machinery Manufacturer Award for its Cardline 7000, and this year is a finalist for the groundbreaking TriMat Colorstar AQ Digital Inkjet Printing System, which offers vibrant CMYK aqueous printing on a variety of packaging materials with a strong emphasis on sustainability. And now, back to the show. So, um, I mean, you've got a, a really high caliber of investors here, Joe. So explain to me, because I'm not someone who's working in the business world, but rather in the media world, what involvement do they have in your day-to-day? Are you free to just deliver the goods and get on with running the business and report to them? Or are they interested in the process as it's happening? Well, they're not involved day-to-day. Of course. And I yeah. think that's good because our success and our culture is such that everybody across our business is really driven and passionate about what we're doing. But that's the importance of attracting um, that values aligned investors. They're happy to let us get on and do the job. Mindaroo has appointed, um, a board member, um, to our board. And this man is amazing. He's somebody that has 25 years, um, logistics. He lived and worked in Asia and, um, he has enormous experience in pharmaceuticals, which is one of our target markets, and logistics. And so we get together and we have our board meetings and he wants to be hands-on. I really like the fact that he wants to contribute to the business. And then everybody's vested in seeing the success of the business. So Mindaru are working on some opportunities. As you know, Lindy, it's um, it's always about those warm introductions that makes an enormous difference. And particularly as a female founder, you you are at a very definite disadvantage. So if you get those warm introductions and like I've got one of the Singaporean investors is very, very, he had his own startup that he, you know, that he grew and then he ultimately exited and made a lot of money and he's very bested in ensuring our success. So he brokers lots of introductions and we talk on the phone, but day to day, we're still doing what we've always done. So a portion of this investment funding is going into the manufacturing, but you also mentioned to me when we spoke recently that some of it is going to go towards your own expansion plans into other markets. So talk to me about your plans uh, for getting into Southeast Asia and the Indian market as well. Yes, so Southeast Asia is 46% of the market, Lindy. And if you look at our mission and you look at where the polystyrene is coming from, it comes from 10 rivers. That are, and eight of those rivers are in Southeast Asia. So we need to be where the problem is the most, is, is the greatest. And we've chosen India because India manufactures 60% of global pharmaceuticals. So, and they manufacture to more than 200 countries using polystyrene. Now, Mr. Modi has a very assertive a sustainability agenda and these, um, Driven like all of our businesses these days, the landscape has vastly changed and they're driven by ESG and their sustainability goals and mandatory climate disclosure reporting. So people are realistically looking at ways that they can reduce their emissions and realise their goals. And in transitioning away from polystyrene 
businesses almost halve their environmental footprint. So we've just done our life cycle analysis. We've done a comparative life cycle analysis against polystyrene. And like, it's a no brainer. If you're genuine about wanting to walk the talk, um, it, it's, you know, our product thermally outperforms polystyrene. And, um, you know, whenever we put on a new customer or we, you know, we acquire someone and in the pharmaceutical sector, it's not a quick conversation. It takes some time, but, um, invariably, they are absolutely overwhelmed when they send out their first product in our packaging by the number and the positive responses that they get from their own customers. You did a fair amount of groundwork in India for the, over the last two years. Am I right? You've, you've been on the ground there. You've met some people. Um, was that hard to break into a new market where perhaps customs and norms were different in terms of doing business? Yes, it's very hard. And I've been very cautious you know, Lindy, how hard we've worked to get to this point. And I've been very acutely aware about not making a mistake. And you hear so many, India is not an easy market. Um, even big Australian businesses have gone there and tried for a year or two and then withdrawn from the market. So I've been very focused on establishing some good contacts and a network that will pave the way, I suppose. We are very fortunate to work with some academic institutions, uh, a couple of accelerator programs. And through all the discussions, like we did three trade shows in India last year, and we were absolutely overwhelmed. It wasn't like a trade show here. We talked, there were five of us on the stands, and we spoke to customers. They queued up to speak to us for five consecutive days straight. It was exhausting. Wow. <laughs> so we've got a yeah, we've got a very big um opportunity. But the the one that's really exciting for us is that we're going to establish a pilot facility and we're working with a company called Jumbo Tail. And Jumbo Tail is the biggest supplier of groceries to India's mum and dad type stores. And in India, they don't have Woolworths and Coles. They have small family-owned retailers. And this Dumbo Tail makes 35,000 deliveries a day to these wow. stores. They turn over $380 billion and they have $5 billion a year in wastey because they don't have refrigerated transport. So we're working with them on a pilot to reduce that wastage. It's so important. The work that we're doing, it's not just about sustainability. It's about food waste and, and social impact. Like if this is the livelihood of these people. Um, you know, I get, uh, it's very gratifying for me to look and see the impact that we've had today. And we're just starting. Well, I mean, it, it does sound fantastic. Now, you spoke also about um, the contract manufacturing opportunity and potentially working with other fibers aside from wool. Do you want to expand on that a little? Yes, yeah, certainly. So, I guess because like what we're doing is reinstating sovereign manufacturing capability. Um, up until now, there's no capability to process. And not only do we um, process wool, we can process all different types of fibres. So, you know, we're working with people who are interested in processing 
hemp and bamboo and cotton gin trash and uh, recycled textiles is another big one. Denim. There's so much that really can be diverted from landfill, but then we need to create products that utilize it. And so with this machinery, we have the capability to do that. And so as soon as the word got out into the market that we've got this capability, we were absolutely inundated with inquiries as to whether or not we would manufacture for other people who would like us are wanting to bring their, um, their manufacturing back on shore. So there's a real push to reduce emissions and businesses, Australian businesses, are really looking to onshore production. So if we can help, because Lindy, you know, and I do know that you know how challenging our journey has been. And, you know, if we can support anybody else on their journey to make it easier, well, I'm all for that. We all need to support each other. Well, Joanne, it is a wonderful success story. And I know that you um, are always open to supporting things because um, you've also come forward and supported our Women in Packaging Awards program, which we've just launched. So thank you very much for doing that on behalf of Planet Protector. Um, it, I think it it really means a lot uh, to us as an inaugural program to have companies like yourself who know how hard it is for women to stand up for themselves in the workplace or in, in our industry to give us that support. As a final message to the audience, I'd love for you to give, what do you, what would be your single piece of advice or your key piece of advice that you would give to someone starting up a business, male or female, doesn't matter, but starting up a business with a, with a big idea, but with very little in their back pocket? My goodness. It's all about resilience. It's, it's all about, you get so many knockbacks and you feel dejected and everything. Um, you have to get up and just keep going. And um, that's really been the key. So, you know, during that capital raise, I would go home sometimes at night and I was so exhausted and brought to tears on numerous occasions. And, you know, the, the fact is that so many people say, oh, we love what you're doing and everything, but get more traction and then come back and see us. And, you know, you think, well, if you don't support me now, why would I be coming back when I don't need you? You know, like, so really the, the transition and, you know, the wave of change that's happening in our world together, we can only achieve it if we pull together. So, you know, by supporting, um, supporting each other and like, Lindy, you talk about, you know, the Women in Packaging Awards, you're the biggest supporter of all of us. You're a champion for women in packaging. And, um, you know, we all have our role to play. And uh, if we unite, we, we can achieve the transition that's necessary for the world. Yes, together we definitely are better. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Joanne. And for PK and readers who've been following the growth and success of Planet Protector over the last several years, and in fact, of your own personal success, Joanne, this next leap to expansion will be followed, of course, with great interest. And we'll keep following up on all the news on that. So thank you for joining me. Fantastic. Thank you, Lindy. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you, Joanne. Thanks, Lindy. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today for this episode, which has been brought to you by TriMat. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can like us on iTunes as this helps others discover our show. We'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. 
The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.